What up, world? It's your past first point guard and trailblazers reporter, Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Film wherever you get podcasts and also on YouTube. Thanks for making this show your first listen. Coming at you each and every weekday, Monday through Friday. So make it a part of your daily routine. Make it your first listen. Tell your friends to do the same. It's Locked On Blazers your team every day. In today's show, we're talking Scoot Henderson. I want to talk about the reasonable and yet very lofty expectations you should have for young Scoot, for Scooter, who's wearing double zero for the Trailblazers. Uh, I want to talk about his fit next to Damian Lillard. Um, Obviously, whether he plays next to Damian Lillard is sort of up in the air, but I think there's been some discussions about can he fit? And I want to talk about what that means and what I think about when I think about fit. And then finally, the Blazers are guard heavy. They're oops all guards roster right now. Uh, I think there is some clarity that needs to come, be it at the top or in the middle. I want to talk about Ambry Simon's future, obviously with the implications that Damian Lillard's future hangs over all of this stuff. But we've done a lot of like Dame trade, Dame blah, blah, blah. And we're going to do more. So today I want to kind of take a take a little break from that sort of angle but I want to acknowledge that like some of the stuff I'm talking about has the implications that whether Dame is or is not on the roster so um while that's not going to be the topic of today it hangs over everything we do here that's just kind of how the show works let's talk about expectations for Scoot Henderson one of the reasons that I mentioned Damian Lillard right now is because I don't want to set rookie expectations for Scoot because I don't know exactly what role he's going to have. Um, I think it would be, I don't know, it's not malpractice is not the right word, but it would be odd if the Blazers were to have done all that losing, drafting Scoot number two overall, talking him about the biggest swing the franchise could make, and then not carving out a 35-minute-a-night role for him, or like 31 and some change, right? Like if he doesn't play 30 minutes a night, it's bizarre. Like is a bizarre approach, right? He's the, the all, most of the prognosticators believe that Scoot is going to be darn good right away, in part because he spent two years playing professional basketball in the G League for as a as a seventeen year old, and then you know now he's now he's nineteen. It's like he got, he graduated he graduated high school early to go play professional basketball. He was always on this route, and he's like he's a blue chip type prospect. It would be bizarre if they drafted him and played him. Not not very much. So some of my assumptions is that some of my assumptions, like why I'm holding off on saying here's what he's going to do as a rookie is because like, what the, what's a roster going to look like? What, what what like and and what's his role going to be? And when asked about this at um, his post draft press conference, I thought um, Cronin was not as firm as I would have guessed. And in, in the like, Damon and and Scoot can play together, and Scoot's going to play this. He was like, yeah, we'll see. You know, like we'll see. There's some minutes available for him, but we'll see. We'll see how it works. We'll see what Chauncey's going to do. That's kind of Joe's mo. So like, um, th- that's just kind of how Cronin operates. So I'd, I I wouldn't read too much into it. It's just that's that's his sort of his approach in those public settings. But it was it was noteworthy to me that he wasn't super, super, super firm. Like, here's how it is, and we're so excited, and this is blah, blah, blah. Like, Scoot Henderson, Damian Lord, backcourt of the future, and we'll figure everything else out. He's just like, yeah, we have a lot of good players. It's tricky. And that kind of is the truth, so credit to him, but um, it's more than, like, his job is to make it less tricky. So, so uh, that, that I think, is, is, is sort of coloring why I'm approaching this episode the way I am. So I don't want to talk about the specifics of, like, Scoot as a rookie, my expectations for him. I will do that. Once there's some clarity, like heading into the season, we do expectations for every player in the roster. We do like little player capsules and we re- revisit them at the end of the season. It's a fun show. You should listen every day. If you're a new listener, it's a fun show. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Uh, lock in. We're going to do a kajillion of these before the season starts. Uh, but 
I want to talk about expectations through the lens of other lead guards who have been drafted in a similar position for Scoot. And let's just say this right here. If your expectations for Scoot Henderson are very high, they should be. They should be. They should be. You don't need to be some sort of like big brain genius to know that rookies don't always pan out. Um, You can just cycle back to the 2017 NBA draft where lead guards Markel Voltz and Lonzo Ball were drafted in the top five. Uh, De'Aaron Fox drafted in the top five and it took him six seasons to make an all-star game. De'Aaron Fox really good, but six seasons to make an all-star game, six seasons to make an all-NBA appearance. Um, it, It wasn't what it was, you know, Deep, deeper into his career, halfway through his career, whatever. I don't know how long Fox is going to play. A third of the way into his career, he's going to play forever. Um, six seasons into his career. But after that, for the most part, after that 2017 draft, top five guards, lead guards, have been really good on their rookie deals. So your expectation for Scoot Henderson should he is that he should be really good on his rookie deal. Let's go into the not very wait, not very far back machine and then let history of, of NBA drafts get us get my, illustrate my point a little bit clearer. In 2018, Trey Young is drafted third overall by the Mavericks, straight to the Hawks. Um, <laughs> whoops. Uh, but Trey Young, on his rookie deal, in his first four seasons, he was a two-time All-Star, made it in year two, again in year four, and was an All-NBA uh, member, All-NBA selection in his fourth NBA season. That means on his rookie deal, rookie deals are two years plus one plus one, so four years in total, uh, two two All-Star games and an All-NBA selection. That's that's um, Trey. I'm not going to do Luca here um, because Luca's gigantic. Scoot Henderson's 6'2". Luca is a lead guard and a lead playmaker, but he's like a forward on defense. Like, he doesn't guard guards. Um, I don't... He's he's a primary on offense, for sure. Um, but, like, suffice to say, like, if if Scoot makes three all-first-team all all-NBA selections like Luca, or, um, then, yeah, uh, he's having a really good year. But I think it would be unfair to put the... Um, to use that, like, Luka was an MVP in the early league. It's like a weird bar. Let's just stick with small lead guards. It's It illustrates a very similar picture. Fast forward to 2019 when John Morant goes to two-time All-Star, made it in year three, and in year four, he was an All-NBA selection in year three and probably would have been an All-NBA selection again in year four, except um, he just was, like, really bad at Instagram. And he just, like, my man could not stop using Instagram to make himself look stupid, and he was punished for it um, by the voting public. I don't think there's, like, straight up, I think John Morant had as good a production as he did a season ago, and he was punished by off-court activities and not made, but, but, like, still, two two All-Star appearances, an All-NBA selection on his rookie deal. Darius Garland, who was taken just after Ja, a couple picks after Ja, by the Cleveland Cavaliers, made an All-Star game in year three and was really good in year four just they added Donovan Mitchell and like that kind of aided and and, and Don was, you know, started the All-Star game and it's like it, it kind of, it, it, ate, it ate into it for sure. In 2020, Anthony Edwards goes one overall. He made an All-Star game in year three. We'll see what happens in year four. LaMelo Ball, taken, taken a two spots later at three, made an All-Star game in year two. Uh, no one from the 2021 or the 2022 class has made it because like it's very rare for basically rookies don't make all-star games in year one um tim duncan uh but like it's it is it is exceedingly rare for guys to make all-star games in their first season but it's not totally uncommon for lead guards recently trey young lamello ball lamello's big obviously but he's like a lead guard similar in a similar fashion to scoot um in their second season and all these dudes Garland, 
Ants, John Morant are making all-star games in year three, and some of them, like Trey and Ja, are all NBA types in year four. We'll see what Anthony Edwards has in store in year four. He certainly could be on that track. All of this is to say, Scoot was drafted to be a star, a franchise changer, and a, a, a true blue chip prospect. And your expectations for him should be sky high because the recent history of drafting guards in similar roles are that they're excellent. They make an all-star team and, and you know, about 50% of the time, an all-NBA selection on their rookie deal. In their first four years in the league, many of these, you know, Trey and Ja um, and Ant might be, I would assume he would be um, in year four, are multi-time all-stars with a couple all-NBA selections in there. This is what your expectations should be for Scoot. That's really high. And I and I, I understand that the draft is uncertain and teenagers are uncertain and all of that stuff. And I'm not, um, I'm not trying to like wipe away the idea that things don't always work out. Like if you're a listener to the program, you know that I'm like a believer that most rookies are bad. But I'm not talking about, I'm talking about like the scale of the next four seasons of Scoot. While he's under team control, like he's a restricted free agent after that. He can be, he'll be on the Blazers for nine seasons if the team wants him to be. I'm talking about as a, on the rookie contract, you should, there should be a reasonable expectation that Scoot Henderson is at least at minimum an all-star in his first four years. That's how good he should be. He's not a typical rookie because he's really good. He's not a typical rookie because he's played two years of professional basketball. If you were a if you were hyped on Scoot, you should be hyped because folks who have been drafted in his position have been really stinking good. Um, we'll see what happens with the 21 and 22 class, but I'm confident that Scoot is going to be a very good basketball player, and I think your expectations would be that he should get some hardware for it. I don't think you get hardware. Awards? Recognition. It's probably the thing you get. Recognition for it. Okay. Let's talk about his fit with Damian Lillard. Let's talk about what that looks like and what, what I mean when I talk about fit. But first, I want to tell you about building a championship team. eBay Motors knows a thing or two about championship teams. They know it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. So we're talking about in the second segment. Is Scoot a perfect fit? Well, it's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits just right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage, look for the green check, and know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. With over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride! eBay, eBay guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, exclusions apply. All right. Let's talk about fit. I want Scoot to play a bunch of minutes. It's weird if he doesn't. We'll talk about the, the minutes crunch in the, in the third segment. If he's going to play a bunch of minutes, and the Blazers have been very, very clear to this point that they hope to keep Damian Lillard rostered. That's a, that is a... It's like literally a conversation for later this week. We will we were gonna talk a lot about Dame, but I'm giving I'm giving you, dear listeners, a break, um, and me, quite frankly. But if Scoot, is, you know, if the Blazers are gonna follow their dreams of keeping Damian Lord, and they already have Scoot Henderson on the roster. You want them to be able to play a bunch together, and I think there is a perception that maybe they don't fit snugly. And I think there is some truth to that. But I would like I would like to push back about what we mean when you say not a great fit. Um, 
Dame has been fine in general next to ball-dominant guards, C.J. McCollum and uh, Anthony Simon. C.J. certainly a little bit more than Ant, but Ant in his younger days didn't pass very much. When he got the ball, he wanted to, he saw the rim. Um, he's developed a bunch in that area. And, and um, C.J., when he's, uh, hey, I don't know. I don't know that he has. I'll, I'll put it like that. Um, it's, um, Dame has, 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 it hasn't really been an issue. The fit problem that we're, that we should just like put out there is defensively, right? If Scoot is six foot two and Dame is around that same height, I think he's listed at six, three, but he's not that tall. Um, it's like, you're just going to get picked on a little bit. The the apex wings of the league, the Luka Doncic, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard types are going to say, yeah, let's get him. Zero or double zero. Let's put him in, like, everybody switches in the league. Everybody runs pick and rolls. Everybody picks, like, mismatch hunts to some extent. That is going to be a problem. The defense is going to be a problem just because of size. I think Scoot can be, a like, a decent defender, but at six foot two. It's just hard to be deeply impactful in the NBA. Um, it's just like it's a it's a league for being big. Um, and look at the Nuggets. One of their tricks was they have a bunch of giant wings. Um, that's how they won the title. So I, I think that alone is just like that's maybe what you talk about when you talk about fit. But I've heard people hemming and hawing, and I don't mean to straw man too much here, but I think this was a question that was posed to Joe Cronin and a fair one in, in his po- in his post-draft press conference. It's like, how do they fit together? And he admitted, yeah, they're both kind of like ball-dominant pick-and-roll runners, and, and, and that is something that they'll have to figure out. I think in general, though, I would say I am not particularly concerned about Scoot Henderson's fit next to Damian Lillard. One, Dame is extremely good. <laughs> He's an offense all unto himself. Um, you know, basically from December to March of last year, the Blazers had the top uh, top off- top offense in the league, top uh, top offensive rating in the league. I don't know why that's so hard for me today, but it is. They had the they outscored their opponents by more points per 100 possessions than any team in the league from basically December 1st to March 1st. They were excellent for 3 months. Like it it was um that wasn't that wasn't their issue, and some of it was just like Dame was elite, elite, elite. He was fantastic. So, like, part of me just says like put put almost any collection of gentlemen out there with any collection of like NBA quality athletes out there with Dame, and he'll drag them along to something like the sixth best offense in the league. It, like at worst, if not way better, because he's excellent. So that that's part of my concern. Or part of my like lack of concern. The other part is like I just think what Scoot does will be fine in an off-ball role. Look, he's not much of a shooter. He did not shoot particularly well um, in his two G League seasons, according to um, Sam Vecini's draft guide over there at the Athletic. Athletic uh, in his first G League season, he shot twenty-one point six percent from three. In his second G League season, thirty-two point four percent from three. Last year, during the G League regular season, according to Kevin Pelton of ESPN.com. Scoot shot just 46% on two in 19 games. Um, but he's an incredible slasher. He's he's born in the paint. Like, you cannot keep him out of the paint. And he's a really good pull-up shooter. You know, the efficiency wasn't there. He had some ankle stuff, ankle injury that eventually ended his season. So, like, we'll see what that translates over to. But really comfortable taking pull-up jumpers. So that means if you do, if you do say, okay, we're going to help off him, he can attack space, get all the way to the rim. If you help late, he's really comfortable in that sort of middle range, pull-up range. I'm not I'm not worried about that. He's also an excellent playmaker. Scoot attacking against... So, so like, uh, here's what I'm sort of thinking basketball-wise. They're going to run a bunch of pick-and-rolls. 
Dame runs a pick and roll. They show two to the ball. He gets the ball in the pocket. Whoever is is setting the screen, call call him Yusuf Nurkic. He sets the screen. Help comes. He he uh, kicks it to Scoot on the wing because they are choosing to help off Scoot because he's shooting below average from three on the wing. Well, one, it's like maybe he improves to somewhere around league average from three, but if that it takes a while to get there, really good slasher, really good playmaker. So against a bent defense, he gets into the paint. The help is coming. He is an elite, an elite playmaker, an elite playmaker, and profiles as as an excellent, excellent passer. I'm not worried about that. That that seems fine against a, a defense and with comfortable in that pull up mid range game. Comfortable with floaters, comfortable at the rim, finishing with power, comfortable at the rim, finishing with finesse, can play fast. Um, you know, I haven't seen a ton of Scoot games, but I watched those two against Victor Wembanyama's um, French team in that showcase in Vegas. And his Scoot, the thing that really stood out to me is that is the change of pace. And what stars do in the league is they decelerate. It's what Luka does so well. It's what James Harden does so well. It's really what Dame does so well. When Dame was hurt, like that, his his inability to, to decelerate was, was really there. And what makes Dame so special is that he bursts to the rim and then he can slow down and keep you on his back. I saw a little bit of that from Scoot with vertical pop, like the ability to jump up and cram on you. I think he's going to be fine getting to the rim. I think he's going to live in the paint early in his career and, and, and be, you know, maybe worried a little bit about efficiency around the rim just for like a young guy kind of figuring it out. But I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be good. So my concern is on defense, not really on offense. And on offense, what I actually think we should say when we talk about fit is maximize. I don't think Scoot is maximized next to Dame. Straight up. The guys who get maximized next to Dame, Anthony Simons, an elite catch-and-shoot guy, an elite off-ball shooter, one of the best shooters in the NBA. CJ McCollum, really, really, you know, he it took him, a, like, a couple seasons to, like, really buy into taking catch-and-shoot threes, but when he did, really solid as a catch-and-shoot guy and still scared defense as a catch-and-shoot guy and as a good jump shooter. They can, you can, don't lose as much when playing them in that role. But, like I said, I'm not worried about that. What I'm worried about is getting 80% of Scoot because what's going to make him special in the league is being an on-ball pick-and-roll operator. Getting into, you know, coming off screens, attacking big guys with his speed. If you switch it, running, you know, pull up. If you run drop because you're not worried about him as a jump shooter, getting you to the, you know, walking you to the elbows and popping little elbow jumpers, like using his strengths and then being a really good playmaker. A, a really good playmaker is probably best utilized in the modern NBA as an on-ball pick and roll operator. Pick mismatches, get two guys to the ball, get help, get down, get get downhill and attack. That's what Dame does too. And while Chauncey Billups used Damian Lillard off the ball more than Terry Stotts ever did, whether Stotts was unable or unwilling to do so, or or whether you want to place the blame on Dame, which I would say certainly part of it, um, it's like Dame was more willing and, and interested in coming off the ball with Chauncey Billups's in Chauncey Billups's offense, but they they weren't very good at it. Like they didn't do it very well. And in fact, like in the middle of that stretch when they were playing pretty well on offense, they just kind of scrapped it and started running more pick and rolls with Dame because it's he was better at it and they were just more comfortable with it. Like straight up. They just they just rolled they just rolled that way because it it it's it's Dame's comfort level and he's great at it. And that's what I mean by maximize. If Dame is great as a pick and roll player and the best version of Scoot is is great as a pick and roll player, getting them to do that less, getting each player to do what they do best less is not maximizing. 
It's just not. It's not maximizing. So fit to me is mostly about the defense and mostly about getting, okay, we use this really special player's special gifts 80% of what we should. And we use this other player's really special gifts 80% of what we should. If you have the best player on the court at something, you should let them get there somewhere around the maximum amount. And to me, the fit with Damon Scoot is more about not getting the absolute most out of both of their skill sets, more so than it is like, oh, he can't play next to Dame. He'll probably be fine. He just won't be the absolute best version of himself. And Dame playing next to Scoot will be really good, right? Like he'll be a all-NBA type guard next year, but Will you get the most out of him otherwise? Maybe you will. Maybe Chauncey will get creative and you'll find it. But to me, just, you know, reading the scouting reports and the, the little bit of I've watched of full games of Scoot that's not just highlights. Um, I, to me, a full game is way more valuable than a YouTube clip. Um, it's just like you you see what he's really good at. You see what Dame's really good at. And they tend to overlap a little bit. And they're what they would be asked to do when the other one is doing that doesn't maximize their gifts. All right. Third segment, they got a lot of guards. In fact, some have said, oops, all guards, in fact. Let's talk about what this means for Anthony Simons' future with the team. Join me in that third segment, won't you? Still a pass, first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You are still listening to Locked on Blazers. We're about to talk about Amphrey Simons' fit and future with this crowded backcourt and what it might mean. Uh... I think a lot of what we're going to talk about the rest of the week is like signs of what direction the Blazers are going to choose. And obviously some of their choices might be out of their hands, et cetera, et cetera. But whether holding on to Amphrey Simons is a real bellwether of kind of what their direction is. If they end up flipping Ant here for a big guy in like a, a forward type, um, preferably like someone who could is like a four or five, could swing up and play a little bit of small ball five, that would probably be what the Blazers need the most. Um, if they do that, then we can start talking about how they're going to build with the young guys and Damon of the future. If they don't, it just kind of seems like they've made their decision in the direction they're going. I think they haven't made the trades yet because they just haven't had appealing ones available and Joe Cronin doesn't want to give away stuff for nothing. Um, we also thought there were going to be a bunch more trades during the draft, we being me. Um, the, that's the royal we, not a collective pronoun, but a, the royal we. Like I I was told that the, that it was there was going to be a flurry of movement. Everyone who covers the draft, flurry of movement, flurry of movement. And it just didn't happen. Now, there were big trades. Brad Bill got traded. Chris Porzingis got traded. Chris Paul got traded twice. Jordan Poole got traded in that second Chris Paul trade. Like there was some names that got moved for sure. Uh, I don't mean to like say like Brad Beal getting traded to the Suns is not a trade or Chris Tapps getting traded to the Celtics is not a trade. It's just there weren't big crazy draft swaps. And there was a couple here and there like um, so the Wizards could move up and the and the Mavericks could move back. But like this wasn't the flurry of action that I think would have many, many had assumed. So I think there is still certainly, um, you know, there is some incentive to get trades done before July 1st because the, the new league year and the new CBA will kick in. But I don't think the Blazers have like a, a crazy timeline for their certain specific salary situation. I think they can be somewhat patient with it. But some of what's next hinges on just having too many minutes for guards. I want Scoot to play. Personally, I would like Scoot Henderson to play a bunch of minutes. If Damian Lord's on the team, he's going to play 36. Go ahead and pencil that one in there. 
Amphrey Simons is too good to play like half the game. He needs to play 34, 33 and some change every night. What what do you do with Shaden Sharp? You don't play him. You don't put him back on a 15-minute-a-night role. You, they, every, every indication from the, from the Blazers, they think Shaden Sharp's ready to step forward into this much larger role. But there's only so many minutes available for dudes who play guard. And while Shaden Sharp can play a little bit of three, I don't think you want that to be his primary um, primary role. And you certainly don't want that to be his primary role if the backcourt is constantly Scoot and Dame, Scoot and Ant, Dame and Ant. You're going to get torched on defense if that's the case. It's just, that's just not, that is not, that dog indeed will not hunt. Actually, it will hunt for buckets on the other ends, but it's going to be giving up a lot of points. Hemorrhaging cash. So something's got to give. There is like either the big thing happens, Dame asks out and they, they go into a rebuild. And in that case, I want to be totally clear. I don't think you need to flip Amphrey Simons. I think you can play Ant 34 minutes. You can play Scoot 34 minutes. And uh, you can, Ant can flip the point guard when Scoot's not there. Shane Sharp can play the two when Ant's not playing the two. He can play a little bit of three. It's totally fine to be bad if you are young. Like, it's totally fine. You just want to get guys on the court. Um, it's a very different calculation of dames on the roster. You're trying to be good, so you like don't want to play lineups that are going to get shredded, that you know are going to get shredded. It's just like the whole math changes, uh, everything about the calculation. But it, but if, if, if they do go with Dame, Ant's got to go somewhere. Ant's got to go somewhere. You have to, you have, he cannot, you cannot. And I said this before the draft um, and, and then immediately afterwards, uh, it's like you can't go into training camp with Damian Lillard, Amphrey Simon, Shaden Sharp, and Scoot Anderson. It just doesn't make any sense. It's not reasonable. And you can't say, if you're doing that, you're, it's like, oh, and we'll figure it out. You're just, you're, if you build a roster that is totally unbalanced, your teams that are offering you trades know that you are desperate to kind of clean up your mess. And so the value just drops like all of this, like your negotiation, you, you are negotiating from point of a disadvantage. So if you're going to take care of this and you take care of it probably early in free agency or this later this week, or, you know, early July, sometime before you get, we get to August and the doldrums of the NBA season. Uh, I don't think, and I think Ant, Amphrey Simons is quite frankly the odd man out. One, and we've talked about this a bunch on the show, shout out to my everydayers, you've heard me say this a lot of times, but his salary just gets you the most back. Shane Sharp doesn't make enough money to um, to trade for like a, a player making, you know, a veteran making a bunch of like veteran starter level money. Amphrey Simons making $25 million a year does. Uh, uh, like Scoot, they're not going to, I don't, it would be very weird that they did all this and drafted Scoot and then traded him afterwards. Um, to be clear, rookies can be traded prior to signing contracts and most rookies don't sign contracts till into July a little bit. Uh, but after that, then you have to wait 30 days. So if once rookies sign their deals, Chris, Chris Murray and, and Scoot and all that, then you kind of start the clock. You can obviously agree to trades and have them trade down the line. Happened with Andrew Wiggins. Um, he, Played in summer league for the Cavs, like very clearly not part of the Cavs' future, but it's rare. It's pretty rare. Um, but it, it wouldn't be uncommon to like have a guy come into the camp and be traded down the line. Come not camp rather, but like come into a press conference, come out of the draft, traded down the line. I believe Walker Kessler got traded like into July. Um, you know, drafted and drafted and then sent to Utah, where he was really stinking good. But like, um, you know. Sh- did his uh, intro presser with the wolves, et cetera, et cetera. So 
it has to be Ant if they're going to clear this up, just because if you're going to keep Dame on the roster, Ant remains your most vital trade piece for salary reasons, for talent reasons. He's 24 and really good. Like that's, that's how you get stuff back. Are they going to do that? I don't know. I don't know. Quite frankly, I think no, right? Like I don't think they will. I think, I think it's going, it feels like it's going the other way right now, but times change quickly in this league. But there just is no world where this is viable. We talked about fit a bunch in the first two segments. There's no fit with this with this many guards. There's no fit. It just it just it's just untenable. So something's got to give, which kind of makes their already pretty wild future even more exciting because like they got to clean this up. They got to either trade Damian Lillard, which they don't want to do, or they got to trade Anthony Simons, which is like the reasonable thing to do to make the roster better. They didn't do that at the draft, probably because the trades weren't there. Are the trades going to materialize? can hope so. I think free agency is not going to be, um, you know, there's not a bunch of sexy free agents on the market and there's not a bunch of teams with cap room. So the way that teams are going to improve this summer, Blazers included, is via the trade market. You would assume that it heats up here this week and into July. And when it does, the Blazers pretty much have to trade Anthony Simons in order to make this roster viable. Or... They got to trade the other dude. They got to trade the letter O. They don't want to do that. They keep saying they don't want to do the first thing. So for now, let's assume that they are they are basically bound to trade Ant. The Dame Lillard stuff's going to come to a head. We'll cover it here. Like this, like this, this is, we took a little break from it today, but it's, it's surrounding everything and every decision they make. So I wouldn't make a prediction on what Scoot's going to do in his first year because I don't even know what the stinking roster is going to look like. But We'll keep trying to figure it out, talk more about everything that's headed, all of the decisions ahead for this team, including Jeremy Grant's future and the decision that the Blazers are going to have to make as he heads into free agency, which begins on Friday. They got a lot going on. It's a great time to be listening to the show and a great time to tell your friends about Locked on Blazers. Available wherever you get podcasts. It's also on YouTube. I appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.